We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're going to go to some questions here. We're going to go to Tom Belork. I apologize if I am saying that last name wrong. So the question is, so at least four wide receivers in this class. Yes, Tom, Tom, I would say that. So we've talked about this a bunch. I think that the minimum in this class is three. Absolutely. Because it's not just about reloading the talents in the 2024 cycle, in the 2023 cycle, excuse me, because we know that no, like this is a big one for coach Chancey Stuckey. There's a lot of layers to his, his part of, of the Notre Dame regime and, and the new Notre Dame era. We have seen, they've struggled at wide receiver in certain years. So there's an expectations that just, I mean, first and foremost, that the, that the quality of play at wide receiver is going to get better and is going to take a step forward. But you also had question marks about Chancey Stuckey when the hire happens, what impact can he have on the recruiting trail? Cause he had only spent one year as a position coach and not even, I mean, a full cycle really, when you think about it. Right. So you want to see what the impact was. So, that is one layer is that you need to hit it out of the ballpark just to establish talent. Like you can't, Chancey Sucky can't come in here and sign three to four guys that are good players, but not needle movers. Like you need needle movers in this class because you need to continue to get better at those positions, better at W, better at X, better in the slot. Like you need to do that. And then there's the other layer of the conversation where like, hey, there's also after the 2022 season that is coming up, you are going to lose Braden Lindsay. You are going to lose Joe Wilkins Jr. And you are also going to lose um, Avery Davis, who is coming back for his sixth year of eligibility with with the COVID year. So you are going to be down in that sense. Three three seniors out of the rotation, and you're bringing in a guy like a Tobias Merriweather, but you're starting to really hurt the depth at the class. We've talked a lot about. Hey, like the depth going into the spring is not great right now for Notre Dame at the wide receiver position. There are certainly talents, but you also need depth. You need depth and you need quality of talent. So I think that three is absolutely the bare minimum. I think that the four is the perfect number. And I wouldn't be shocked if Notre Dame gets to a position where they really like their four-man class, where they sign a Malik Elzey, 
out of Illinois, or they sign a Ronan Hannafin out of Massachusetts because they give them possibilities, not only at wide receiver, but they could also be defensive players if the, the depending on how the depth chart really shakes out. So I think that four is the perfect number. I think three is the absolute minimum. And I think that they might push it to five if there is a guy that offers them versatility to move to a different position. So great question, Tom. But yes, I mean, to answer your question, I think four is the absolute perfect number in that situation. I'm going to bring up Brandon's question now. Says Ryan or Brian, thoughts on five-star wide receiver Brunte Johnson out of Fort Wayne. Have you watched any film of him? And is Notre Dame well in the mix with him? Uh, Brandon, so just for me, before I let Brian put in any any thoughts on Bronte that he has. Um, so I have not watched film on him. And I'll be very honest, he's a 2024 kid. He has not been offered by Notre Dame. And I don't even think that he's on Notre Dame's radar right now, to be very honest with you, for whatever reason. So I have not watched film just because it is not incredibly pertinent to the Notre Dame 2022 class. So as of right now, he is not a player that is on Notre Dame's radar right now. They are definitely not in the mix with him currently. Yeah, I think there's a reason for that right now. Just right now, it tells me that there's – I mean, he's a good player. I've seen his film. He's a good player. I don't know if I'd view him – I mean, I don't really have any very, very, very few sophomores as five stars. I mean, it's so hard for me to say a sophomore is a five star. He's very good, but it's kind of like the Keontae Goodwin thing. Like people say, why, why is Notre Dame not even recruiting this kid? Well, there's a reason, and it's not because he can't play. And, and this kid's – the good news is, though, Ryan, he's still young. He is just a sophomore. So if he really likes Notre Dame, there's still time to get his stuff in order. But I I have to think that's the reason. I There's no way Notre Dame doesn't know that there's a really good top 100 receiver an hour and a half away in Fort Wayne. I mean, right. they, they know that. So there, there's a reason for it. But uh, Notre Dame's not really in the mix with them. I mean, and again, like as I've talked to different people about 2024 kids that's just a name that never comes up we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
But yeah, it was an interesting conversation I just had, Ryan. So um, let's just say Notre Dame knocked it out of the park with Samuel and Pemba and Jaden Osbury this weekend. So um, yeah, did did really, really well with both of those guys. So we'll uh, I'll fill you in on how that went uh, when we when we uh, when we wrap up the show today. Ryan's like, can we stop the show now? Uh, <laughs> But uh, did you talk about the Emory Jones one? What did you talk nope. about, discuss? Nope. Well, I, I, we we just talked so far about the perfect number of wide receivers. So yeah. I unstarred that one, and then which I what was your one. answer to that? It was like four with a I, five I said, being in that with a, a, a guy that can do multiple things. Yeah, I said three is bare minimum. Four is the perfect number, and five you might push to five if you have a guy that can potentially profile at a couple different positions. Yeah, actually, I can live with three if it's the right three. If it's like Tate, James, Gallagher, I can live with that. Or Tate, James, Great House, even to a degree. I don't I, I wouldn't love that version of it because I feel and that's has nothing to do with any of those three kids. I just feel like they're Gallagher is is such an important guy because he's the he's the unicorn of the guys on the board for Notre Dame right now. I mean in the style of play standpoint. And so I feel like Great House, James, and Tate would be a little bit too much of the same guy with Tobias Merriweather. I think that that Gallagher is that guy that brings a little different dimension. So, but still, I mean, those four guys, you get three of those four guys, you got yourself a heck of a wide receiver class. Yeah. So I'd, I'd be okay with that three, but mm-hmm. I, but to your point, I, I do think four is, is. Yeah. And I said, I said that they could push it to five potentially if you're obviously happy with the four that you have. And then like, let's say a Malik Elzey that you really like, or Ronan right. Hannafin's there that could maybe play defense. Also. It would have to be That's one of those player. guys. It would have yeah. to be one of those guys, Ryan. It would have to be somebody that can do something else. Cause here's what's going to happen. Right. And this is what people need to understand when you have too many guys in one position, because you're overcoming, it's not that you're, you signed five because, Oh, we just had a chance to get five great guys and they wanted to come. We couldn't say no to any of them you're pushing for their numbers because you fell so short in past years. That's the reality. I mean, on your current roster in 2022, you will have four wide receivers from the, no, actually four wide receivers on the roster from four classes, 19, 20, 21, and 22. That's an average of one per year because you don't have anyone on your roster at receiver, your receiver roster from the 19 or the 20 classes. That's not good. And so you take five, and if one of those guys can't do something else, at least one of them is going to transfer, maybe two. That's just the reality of the world we live in now. So you you can't overdo it in one class at a position where sometimes there's only two guys on the field from that position, right? Because if they're in 12 personnel, there's only two receivers in the field, you know? And so that's just something you have to understand. And, And then if you lose one or two of those guys, then you're right back to square one the next year. And you potentially put yourself in position where you may have to, you may miss on some guys in the 24 class because you took so many in 2023 class. Well, I'm not going there. You just signed five stud receivers. Like, are you kidding me? But if if the fifth guy is a Ronan Hannafin, because you, Ryan, you and I could argue all, we could do a whole show on what position should Ronan Hannafin play. And, and that's that's kind of where you want to be right because he can help you so many different places if you fall short at receiver or somebody transfers you've got him right there if you if you need help at rover if you need help with safety you know there's so many different things he could do that you say well that's just the guy you gotta you gotta try to go push for so um that's that's gonna be a really interesting really interesting decision there as far as for him and for Notre Dame on where they put him but I think five pure receivers gets into some shaky roster management territory. 
Sure. You try to fix one mistake by making making another mistake doesn't help your roster, in my opinion. And, and you're like Texas A&M with the defensive lineman this year, right? Where it's just not there you practical. Go. Right. Yeah. There you go. And if you're a defensive lineman in the 2023 class, you're going to have to offer me even more money than you paid those guys to get me to sit behind those guys for a year. You know what I mean? So uh, hard pass on that action. So, yeah, it's a very interesting take. Katie Kiever says, with Emory Jones, that is the Florida quarterback entering the transfer portal. Does the does the, the impact Dante Moore's decision-making? He seemed to enjoy his visit to Florida. Dante says great things about every visit he takes. He's a very respectful kid. Mm-hmm. He's a kid that is always going to say the right things. Uh, I'm sure he liked Florida. I've been to Gainesville. It's a fun place. I would have fun there, too. I, I don't, don't see him going to Florida. Regarding Emory Jones, Emory Jones is going to be a fifth-year senior this year, so he was never going to factor into – to Dante. I mean, he was in the same class as Phil Dracovic. Yeah. So he was never going to be a factor on the depth chart with Dante Moore there anyway. So I don't, I don't think Emory Jones is going to impact the the class at all, to be honest with you. And, and as far as not just Dante, but anybody else, I mean, you, you're not fixing Emory Jones leaving with a 2023 kit. You're going to have to replace him with, if you need to replace him, if you're Florida with a portal mm-hmm. kid or something like that. It's just, it's so it was never Katie. I mean, it's a good, it's a fair question, Katie, but it was never going to impact Dante Moore's decision or any other quarterback's decision one way or the other, because this was most likely I, I, did Emory Jones play as a freshman. I'm trying to remember. I felt like he played, he played more. He played like he played as a freshman, I believe. Yeah. I thought um, he mixed in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that he played as a freshman. So, he this extra year that he's he's going through is is sort of a it's the covid year you know i so i, I, I he doesn't have a sixth year the, the point being he doesn't have a sixth year to mm-hmm. to play i mean it it'd be one thing if you know he redshirted as a freshman and then went through then he could potentially have a sixth year because of the covid stuff but i'm pretty sure that he played you know, games that he, he, I don't think he has a six year of eligibility. I could be wrong on that, but I don't believe he does. So again, I don't think it's going to matter a whole lot. No. Here's a, I wanted to bring this up, right? Cause I wanted to get your question. This is a cute from uh, Quinn Kibler. The artist formerly known as Q Kibbs says, I don't like him as well as Dante Moore referring to Nico, but I see him as a boomer bus type. And I think that boom would be really fun to watch. Does this affect Cardinal? So I wanted to get your opinion on, Nico as a quarterback. And and I have my take. I'll share it with you afterwards. But he yeah. is the obviously the hot name in recruiting. I mean, he went from you know good part prospect to like top five. Some people saying he may be the best quarterback in the class. I have a very strong opinion on that, but I wanted to first get your thoughts on on what you think of Nico as a quarterback. I mean, if you're just talking about pure arm strength, he's the best in the sure. class, right? Like, I mean, he could throw the ball through a wall. He reminds mm-hmm. me of like the Jacob Sermons of the world and the Shane Morris's of the world. Like those guys could throw the ball as hard as anybody, but you don't, don't remember either. Don't gonna go. I don't think I've heard of much about either of those guys since they've been to college, right? Yeah. I'm not sure why what that why yeah. And I'm not trying to bucket him with a couple guys that haven't turned out, but I do. I I agree, Quinn, that he is a very boomer bust kid, right? Like he could be one of the top two or three quarterbacks in this class from a talent level perspective. There's no doubt. But we have learned that the quarterback position is a lot more than just throwing the ball as hard as you can in a straight line. So there's a lot of nuance to the position. So Nico makes me very nervous, but he is certainly talented. There is no doubt about it. But I think in recent years, we have seen the guys that are the most physically gifted don't always work out. Like I just named a couple of guys that were the strongest arms of the last few years that just have not materialized. So there's a lot more that at the quarterback position that matters than just pure arm strength. 
But in, in, a, in a right situation, I think Nico could be developed into a really good football player. There's no doubt. But I do think that that margin for upside versus floor is a little scary to me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Very scary. So I felt like early on he was a little underrated. Like he wasn't super considered like a highly ranked guy. I thought he's a little underrated. Now I feel like it's the opposite. He's gotten too overrated. And I think that people it's, it's, he's the kind of kid that you can make an evaluation mistake when you focus too much on the camp stuff and the camp arm, the guy that's just got that cannon for an arm and he has a cannon for an arm. I mean, and he's got some other skills. He's a good athlete. He can run. He's got the height that people look for. He's going to fill out. I mean, he his, his he's super skinny now, but he's going to fill out. I'm not worried about that. But I also I also don't. There's also a lot of concerns I have about his game. Uh, his ball placement isn't always good, much less kind of where you want it to be. Uh, I think that sometimes his arm is a little too powerful. In that you like, I want to see him learn a little bit more touch. I think at times his arm allows him to make throws that you're like, Holy moly, that's a great throw. But then in reality, you're like, but if you tried that against a power five football team, it's getting picked off, you know? And, and, you know, I don't, I don't think his decision-making is always the greatest. I, like I said, I think that he's that guy that, that puts receivers in some bad spots because he knows he can get a ball into an area that you probably shouldn't try to get the ball into that area. Cause yeah, you may be able to make that throw, but that guy's not gonna be able to take that three man hit that you're about to put him into. Uh, and even if he does catch it, you may not have him for the rest of the game. So I think Nico's Nico's a very good player. I think he's a top 50 player on just town alone. But I like the fact that you said arm strength and not necessarily arm talent because they're not necessarily the same thing. One is a part of the other, but you can still have one without the other uh, in both directions. You can have arm talent without having a great arm, and you can have a great arm without having a lot of arm talent. So I think Nico's very good, but... I just there's a little bit more I need to see from him before I'm ready to start saying he's on the same level as Dante Moore and Malachi Nelson and Arch Manning, right? And because Arch Manning is kind of the opposite of Nico with fans, I think Arch is overrated by the recruiting services, but fans underrate him. I think some fans like just kind of tear him down because his last name, which is the opposite of what the recruiting services do, they hype him up because of his last name. Uh, I think he's still a better quarterback right now than Nico. What I'll say is if he goes to the right place, and I don't know if Josh Heupel is that guy, I think that if we just look at it from forget the reasons why Tennessee got him, I think this is a good decision by by Nico, to be honest with you. And Oregon thought they are going to get him. I don't know if I have a lot of faith in the staff at Oregon and Kenny Dillingham to – like what evidence do we have that Kenny Dillingham can develop a great quarterback? right? Josh Heupel has done that. And I thought the work he did with Hendon Hooker this year was outstanding. I thought he turned Hendon Hooker like Hendon's always flashed, but just for whatever reason, uh, Justin Fuente just never gave him a shot to beat the guy unless other people were hurt. He, he ran that offense extremely well at Tennessee this year when he was injured until he, you know, he got a little banged up. But I mean, if if Hendon Hooker can be successful in that offense, there's no doubt in my mind Nico can be successful if if he can put this and this together with the God-given ability. But just from a development standpoint, I mean, sometimes I feel like these kids are getting a lot of money 
to go to a school that it's like, dude, you're going to, you just got a lot of money, but that was a poor decision by you. There's a couple D linemen that went to Texas A&M. I felt that about, if you take the money side away from it, the, this is a good decision by Nico. Cause I do think Josh Heupel has a good track early track record of, of quarterbacks and especially quarterbacks like this, kind of that toolsy raw. Cause Hendon hooker is toolsy and raw. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yep. And Nico's a better version of that. <laughs> and we saw what Hendon Hooker was able to do this year with Tennessee. So take that part aside. I do think he made a smart choice in where he's going. But I, I do feel that Nico's a, a tad overrated. I think this, you know, putting him in the top 10 is more about recruiting hype than it is about substance, to be honest with you. But the tools are the tools are very impressive. There's no question they're impressive. Freddie CO3, where are we at? Where's Notre Dame at with Tamir Robinson? Saw he rescheduled another visit. That doesn't make me feel comfortable. Think he would be an elite top-tier recruit if he didn't get hurt last year. I don't know if I would say he'd be elite, but I definitely think he'd be a top 100 guy. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't have him as a five-star, but I definitely think if he doesn't get injured, he'd be a top 100. I mean, I don't think, the, the, I don't think his ranking is impacted too much by that. I think some colleges have to make decisions about him as they wait to see how his knee is recovered. So um, I think that's more, more about it than anything, but right now, Ryan, obviously with him sort of rescheduling a second visit, you, at some point in time, you have to start saying like, uh, but we, we never had him a lot. A lot of people say, but we never had him on the list of, of guys that were scheduled to visit it. That was never locked in by the way. Now, just so people understand. So it wasn't like he scheduled it and rescheduled it. So like if he reschedules a second visit, I'm starting to feel not good. The point I'm making is we never had him locked in for that second visit. It was something they were trying to get, but it was, you know, you got to make schedules work. So just where, where do things stand, Ryan, and your kind of thoughts on uh, just the, the, the visit being rescheduled from this weekend? Yeah. I mean, like Brian said, we, we never had that verified. I talked to his, his coach, I think last week or early the week before, and they were still working through scheduling. Right. So I don't think that that was ever verified. He I mean, he said that he still definitely wanted to get back to Notre Dame, but it had not materialized to, to if it would be in the spring, if it would be in the summer, I know from the recovery perspective um, for the injury part of this, Freddie, he was on pace where he's going to be back early Early summer, mid-summer, full go, 100% back. So he's making a nice recovery. I think Notre Dame likes Tamir Robinson. I think Tamir Robinson likes Notre Dame, but, like, eventually he has to get back on campus because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's – there's I mean, I know I know he's been high on Penn State for a while, right? So, like, you need to be able to get into that conversation if you're really pushing for a guy like a Tamir Robinson, who I think – I mean, I would take him in the class. I think he's a really talented player, depending on how things shake out for sure. So I think that, you know, you just have to see how how everything progresses from the second visit. But last time I spoke to the head coach for Tamir, nothing was planned as far as when he would be taking that visit to South Bend. Imgo Irish says, do you anticipate any potential commitments for the 2023 uh, class prior to the Blue and Gold game? I'll be shocked if Notre Dame doesn't get at least two commitments before mm-hmm. the Blue and Gold game. Yeah. Shocked. Yep. And potentially more. It just depends on, you know, how some of these visits go. But yep. shocked. If if yep. they don't get at least, I'd say, what would what would you set? Would you set the over-under at two or would you set the over-under at three? Well, if, two and a half. Was, how about two was, and a half? I was about to say, if I was a, if I was a setting it, I would say two and a half would be yeah. an over for sure. And then what yeah. would you take? Over. Public commitments. 
Yeah. Over, I think. Yeah. yeah I, I think, I, I think that's where I am too. Before the blue gold game. Now, if you include the blue gold game, you know, that's, Four? that's where you, it's probably the over, but yeah, there's no one that I know for now, for sure that plans on committing at the blue gold game, as far as I know. But you know, there's a lot that's going to happen between now. I mean, that's a, that's a month and two days away. So there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then. There's there's no question about it. All right. John A1 with a really interesting question. And this had a lot of discussion in the chat, Ryan. John A1 says, of the new coaches, who does Irish Breakdown project to be the biggest recruiting gap closer? And this can be taken in a lot of different ways. Sure. So yeah. why don't you take first crack at it, Ryan? Yeah, it's it. This is a interesting take for me, I guess. But I would actually agree. I think someone put it in the chat. I think it would be Chancey Stuckey because I think for the gap closer part of it, you have to compare it to what the previous spot was at, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, my first thought was like Al Washington has been a great, you know, a recruiter during his time, but Mike Elston was a really good recruiter too. So like that's not like a right. massive step forward. It's a step forward, but I don't think it's a massive step forward. Right. You know what I mean? And Jeff so, Quinn wasn't a bum on the recruiting trail either. Exactly. I mean, he exactly. just was a bad coach. He wasn't terrible yeah. as a recruiter and had some good moments as a recruiter. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. But I think when you compare it to to Dell Alexander to what appears to be Chancey Stuckey's impact, again, we have right. to see it materialize. Right. But the early you know, the early the early uh, reviews on Coach Stuckey on the trail have been very good. So I'm going to say when you compare it to what it was to what it is now, I think mm-hmm. Chancey Stuckey has the opportunity to take it a big yeah. step forward, massive step. Yeah, I think I think you can make it, – it's funny. is like you you could actually make – you could – depending on where Notre Dame stands now, you could make a case that Stuckey could get it in either conversation, which is gap closer in regards to just who's going to recruit the most actual gap closers. You, you could, I mean, if you look at the board right now, I don't know if any of the other new coaches have guys on the board like he does. Now, the only person that you can maybe say that about is is Al Golden, but those guys were all on the board before Chancey Stuckey got here. And that's the thing is like and Notre Dame led with Mpemba and they were already in really good shape with Jaden Osbury before Al Golden got hired. They, right. they were on Tamir Robinson for a while before Al Golden got hired. With Chancey Stuckey, they were not on the radar with Braylon James. I mean, they had offered him, but they weren't going to get, they weren't in a position with Braylon James. They weren't in any kind of position with Jaden Greathouse. They weren't in a position with Rodney Gallagher. Now he's been able to put them in that position. So you could make a case for him. He's been far better so far than, in, than what I expected. And, and I knew he was going to raise the bar because it couldn't get any lower. I mean, that's the thing. So when, then when you include how bad it was before, it, it's really impressive. But again, at the end of the day, you know, John uses the word project because we still don't know. I mean, they have yet to add n- none of the new coaches, as far as I know, have any public commitments. Do you, I mean, none on D line, right? No, no, none, none on the offensive line, none at tight end, none at receiver, none at running back, no, nope. and none at linebacker. I mean, since the, the since they were hired, this changes, yeah, yeah, because Pre- uh, Preston Zinter committed before Al Golden got hired. Mm-hmm. And that was the most recent commitment. So, and there's no t- 2024 commitment. So it, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's excitement, but at some point in time, that excitement and that energy has to get turned into results. Exactly. And, and so John, I, I think the, I like the fact that you use the word project because right now that's all it is. It's a projection, but I'll be surprised if Chancey Stuckey's not the answer when you consider just how bad, because if Harry, he goes out there and recruits, let's say he gets, 
Okanlola and Jagasaw and Monroe Freeling and Sullivan Absher. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the best line class in the country. That's yeah. not light years better than what it was the last two years. It's better, no question. But those are two pretty darn good offensive line classes as well. One had more balance. One had more high upside. But it's two pretty good classes. Receiver classes in 2021 was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it's like... Brian, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, have, I have a take here. I have a take here. Because yeah. I'm going to stay. I'm gonna stick with Chancey Stuckey for this question. But how about this one? Um, Marcus Freeman taking over for Brian Kelly as the head coach. Who boy. <laughs> oh. Interesting, right? See, that is a good one because, hmm, yeah. I didn't even think about that one. That wasn't even on my radar. I think well, you'd have you to just- go – you just jogged my memory because you started talking about Al Golden. I was like, but is he really an upgrade over Marcus Freeman, who is the previous defensive coordinator in right. theory, right? But then I started yeah. thinking, oh, well, Marcus I, Freeman now. Well, with Al Golden, I was simply referring to landing the top players, the gap sure. closing players. Um, boy, that's a good – so I think that in that instance, I think I'd have to go with Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Because he's going to have his hands on so many of these different recruitments. You know, like he's going to have an impact on the guys Coach Stuckey's recruiting and Dante Moore and the linemen and the defensive players. So, yeah, that well, that's an interesting one. That's a really interesting one. See, now you you just got my – you got like steam coming out of my ears. I'm like trying to think of where I want to go with this one. But, yeah, of the position coaches, yeah. uh, of the new – but here's the thing. He said of the new coaches. Yes. So, technically, Marcus Freeman's in a new place, but he's not a new coach. It's fair. It's so fair. We get, we, I, we I have very, to pull. I have very to pull, technical with that. I have though. to pull that technicality in order to make right. my head not explode from having to think about whether or not to which one to go with. So I'm going to pull that technicality. He said of the it's new fair. coaches, not the new coaches and new positions. You know, the coaches in new positions. So well, I'm I mean, gonna, te- I'm gonna, technically, then Coach Eastan's not a new coach either. He's been yes, here he is. Oh. Yes, he is. Because like, look, if he had any, it's like this. Uh, I worked at a place one time, and I had a non-compete. And then I left to take a job outside that business, came back, worked again, but didn't sign a new non-compete. I was considered a new employee without a non-compete. So that's what happens when you leave, you take employment elsewhere and you come back, you're technically considered a new employee. So again, I'm going to find as many technicalities as I can find, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter because neither of us went with Coach Stand anyway. That's so, true. Um, but uh but yeah, I think Coach Stuckey would be my choice. Here's a good one, John. I lo- those are g- the great questions because they really start some fun dialogue. I really, I really enjoy that. John A. One also said, "Which 2023 prospect would be icing on the cake if Notre Dame did land Dante Moore, Carnell Tate, Samuel Pemba? Uh, would it be Muhammad Gallagher, Okanlola, etc.? See, I wouldn't say any of those guys that John mentioned because I think those guys. I think Okanlola would probably be the the, the of the three would be the icing on the cake one because I think the other two are still big needs. Sure. I mean, even if you get Tate and more, you can't just get one or two receivers in this class. You need more. So I don't think Gallagher would be an icing on the cake. Malik, you need another top cornerback. Malik Muhammad wouldn't be icing mm-hmm. on the cake. Although I would encourage people to read Ryan's recruiting mailback today for the latest on, on uh, Notre Dame and, and Malik Muhammad. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Boy, that's a good one. Who would be the biggest icing on the cake if Notre Dame got those guys? I mean, it's hard to say that because the class is still – I mean, if you get Oklahoma, that's not icing on the cake because you don't have any offensive line commits right now. 
Right. And right, that's yeah. It's a tough. Yeah, if you would have thrown John, if you would have thrown into that first part of the question, like Monroe Freeling and like Sullivan Absher, sure, like a couple people like that, then I would have been like, yeah, it's definitely Oklahoma because yeah. like you can live with that without Oklahoma, but obviously Oklahoma right. is a great player, so you're going to take him any day, right? Right. So, so it's like let's say Notre Dame gets Christian Gray, and then you could say Malik Muhammad would be icing on the cake, or you know, let's say that that they get Freeling and mm-hmm. Jagasaw and Absher and you know, one other lineman. And then you say, okay, then Oklahoma would be icing on the cake. But those guys right now are all needs. In my opinion, I think the icing on the cake would probably be if like they get another, boy, I can't even go. No, I can't even go there. Uh, Caleb Downs. That's one. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fair. yeah. That'd be icing on the cake. Cause I mean, you're already pretty good at safety, but he he's the best safety in the country. So yeah. I mean, cause again, we're only looking at the positions now of that are full mm-hmm. and you know, I think Caleb Downs would really because they're not full. The only position they're de- technically full at, you could say Deuce Robinson would be another potential icing on the cake guy. If you look at, especially if you look at the players he just mentioned. So I think those would probably for me, those would be the two. You don't need a second tight end, but I wouldn't. I would never say no to Deuce Robinson. I still can't believe they did. Not that they said no, but they just kind of stopped recruiting him. It still just annoys the mess out of me. Caleb yeah. Downs and on defense and Deuce Robinson on offense. What say you about those two, Ryan? Yeah, I didn't even for some reason. Um, for some reason, Downs didn't even come to mind. For some mm-hmm. reason, I don't. I don't know exactly why. Because I mean, like you said, if you ended the cycle for Notre Dame with just with just with just Edon Shoulder and Peyton Bowen, like you are in a good space, man. Like you don't need to worry. Like those are two of the better safeties in the nation, right? But getting a guy like a Caleb Down is that's a game changer defensively. So I, I. I and very firmly with you on that one. I think Caleb Downs is the perfect icing on the cake. Yeah. Because you, don't, you don't need yeah. him, right? Like uh-uh. right now today, you don't technically need him. From a number like, standpoint. Yes. Right. But from a talent perspective, you're going to say, absolutely. Yes. Everybody sure. needs Caleb Downs right. from a talent standpoint. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm adding on yeah. to what you're saying. Cause we're sure. looking at it. Icing on the cake to me is more like you've met your needs. You've got really good players at those needs. Uh, you know, you got two top 150 players in Peyton Bowen, who you and I believe is a top 50 recruit, I believe. And then Adon Schuler, who's a top 150 recruit. You only needed needed two safeties in this class. So that's what we're, what, what we both, I think we both mean when we say ice in the cake is you don't need Caleb Downs to say, hey, we had a really good safety class if you're the Notre Dame staff. But you also, you're trying to win a championship. And he's one of those guys that helps you me talk about, I mean, here's the gap. It's like, whoop, he moved that sucker way over here with a guy like Caleb Downs. So yeah, I don't see it happening. And that's kind of that's kind of another question we got along those lines is who would be a shock commit? Who could be a shock commit? I don't see Caleb Downs as being a shock commit because I don't think they're gonna get him. But if he did commit, that would be a, a shock. I, but the reason I bring this up is because I think the guy that to me that would be the shock commit in this class mm-hmm. is someone we talked about in the show and that would be Jaden Osbury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like we say how tough it's going to be to get him because you look at every single thing about him says that's not a kid that Notre Dame gets, but the counter argument to that Ryan is yeah, but kids like that don't even come to Notre Dame on visits, much less twice on their own dime. And so I think that's the counter argument to us saying how tough it's going to be. Cause it's going to be very tough. But when a kid makes two visits on his own dime and we're not even to April yet. We're not even official visit season yet. It wouldn't shock me if Jay Nalsbury comes back again on an official. 
I mean, you know, unless Notre Dame is completely full by then. But again, you know, you look at you look at like Impemba and Osbury. Yes, they're both being recruited as Rovers, but as we've said before, Samuel Impemba can play five different positions in Notre Dame. Yep. I mean, really, he could play all three of the he could play all three of the um, linebacker spots. Actually, I'd, I'd argue he could play six. I think he could play Rover. I think he could play Mike. I think he could play Will just on talent and athleticism. I mm-hmm. think he could play Viper. I think he could – he's already 240 pounds. He could grow into a big end, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and he could be a stud tight end. I mean, that kid could play six positions. So you don't say no to Jaden Osbury because you landed Samuel and Bemba. I mean, just – you don't need to. Um, but I think – I think Jaden Osbury probably be my my pick as the shock. Because to me, shock means a guy that you don't think you're going to get. It's like, wow, wait a minute, what? Notre Dame got that guy? I mean, Jason Moore's not that because we think they have a good shot, and Pemba's not mm-hmm. that because we we felt that they you know we we they lead or at least co-leader. Uh, Cardinal Tate would be a, a a bit of an upset, but it wouldn't be a shock to me. Right. Right. I mean, I think I can't really think of anyone else that I would count as a shock of who could be. I mean, there's a lot that would be mm-hmm. right. But I took the question, Ryan, as meaning us to kind of maybe predicting who might be that guy. I mean, you know, there's a ton that we could list as yeah, that, that'd be a shock. Yeah, sure. But yeah. that's not going to happen. So mine would be mine would be uh, Jaden Osbury. I, I'll go Caleb Downs because. I mean, I just don't see Caleb Downs being in the class, right? So, like, that would be the ultimate shock just because I don't feel good about that one at all. So, that one, I guess, would be my shock pick just because I, I just don't see that one coming to fruition. Just don't see it. And speaking of him, I'm going to pull this question up now. It's a little bit out of order. Uh-huh. This is a great one from Gideon Rosa. You can only play one of these safeties. Who are you taking? Harrison Smith, Kyle Hamilton, or Caleb Downs upside only? <sighs> Upside only. I mean, upside of those three, I, I would say Kyle Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. Like again, we just, I mean, the talent level is undeniable. Now Harrison Smith is the easy answer because we have seen it at a high level in the NFL. But I mean, when you argue just the athletic skill set and the size and all those attributes together, I would say that it would be Kyle in my opinion. Like he's just a different cat, different breed. I'm still going with Harrison Smith. Oh, okay. I am. And and because the reason I say that is, is because Kyle Hamilton still has a little bit to prove to me. And, and I've said this before, and I know it's not a popular opinion, but the next time Kyle Hamilton makes it through a full season will be the first time that how Kyle Hamilton makes it through a full season, that he's been a regular, right? I think he made it through his freshman year, but he wasn't a regular. It's fair. I also think that the, the, my, not, my, my thing about Harrison Smith is he's always been undervalued as an athlete. And I think we, most of us know the reasons why but he's always been undervalued as an athlete. I mean, his, his numbers, like his pro shuttles, a four, one, two, it's really good. His three cone drill was a six, six, three. It's absurd. Decent. So. That's absurd. You know, ran a four, five, four at, 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 you know, almost six, two, 213 pounds. He was a heck of a player at Notre Dame and he's turned out to be an even better player in the NFL. So I'd probably still go with Harrison Smith because I'm just not taking a high school junior over either one of those two guys at this point in time. Now, would it shock me if Caleb Downs ends up being the best player of all three of those? No, it wouldn't. But it's just – it's an unfair – I mean, I love the question. That's why we brought it up because they're fun to talk about. Mm -hmm. But I just – I can't take the young guy. I mean, he's there's just still so much we have to learn about Caleb Downs. But I'll say this. The fact that someone even felt 
that he was deserved to be in that conversation. And that we're not like, dude, why are you even putting him in that conversation with those guys? Cause right. we're not saying that we totally get it. Says a lot about what kind of player Caleb Downs is for sure. Some sec school is going to get a heck of a player. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, Jim Halloran says, is there too much boomer bust with the Moore and Tate recruitments? What happens if they don't get either or both? Uh, boy, if they don't get either, that would be crushing for Notre Dame. Yes, it would. Because they've put all their eggs in the Dante Moore basket, which was the right decision. But mm-hmm. if not getting him would be crushing to the program. I mean, you just – it can't be an option right now. Like with Cardinal Tate, I love Cardinal Tate. He's a five-star player. I'd love to get him. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other really good receivers on the board. With Darnell, with uh, with Dante Moore, it's like eh, I don't know who else you're going to get now. Because I mean, it's 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 been made obvious he's your guy. And and Chris Vizina had a comment about Clemson recently, where he was like, "There's never been a doubt that I'm their guy, right?" Like, and and these kids aren't stupid. They know. They see. They know that Arch Manning is ahead. Of, you know, Chris Vizina knows that Arch Manning is ahead of him at Texas and Ole Miss and Alabama, right? He knows that. He knows that Dante Moore's ahead of him at at, uh, at at Notre Dame. There's one school that has has told him from the beginning, "You're our guy," and that's Clemson, and that matters to kids, and it should matter to kids, because if if you're a consolation prize in this class, then they're going to try to quickly out recruit you next year. But if you view him as the guy now then it's going to make him feel better about getting that fair shot, even if they go get somebody not last year, or if there's somebody great ahead of them, like is the case at Clemson with Kate Klubnik, who was my number one quarterback in last year's class. So yeah, um, that Brian, that's just, I mean, that can't even be an option. Nah. Missing out, it just can't, it can't be an option for Notre Dame at this point in time. Nope, 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 nope. Irish Natty within three years. Love that. I like Rico Flores' tape. Is he a possibility in this class at wide receiver? I, I mean, first and foremost, I like Rico Flores' tape too. Mm-hmm. I've talked about it. It's like he is – he checks about, about about every box that you that you would want out of the receiver, right? Like I think that he could play in Notre Dame's offense. I think he could play the X, which is more of a traditional Z profile that you would typically see. I think that he could play in the slot because I think he's a really solid route runner. I think he's got solid speed working vertically. I think he's got good hands kind of checks a whole lot of boxes i think right now where notre dame is they are just i think they're just a little higher on a few other wide receivers in this class but they're still keeping close tabs on Enrico flores so is it a possibility i'd say yes but i don't think it's incredibly likely as it stands yeah now he put them in his top five but until he gets to campus uh, you know i'm just not i'm not uh i'm not gonna say too much about him i mean it's just like there's a lot of really talented players is he a possibility Yes, he's a possibility, but until he gets to campus, I don't view it as a strong possibility. Plus, I think they like him, but I think there's just a couple other guys right now on the board. Terry Tyler, what's the latest with Ronan Hannafin? Yeah, so Ronan a couple weeks ago made his trip. He stopped at Wisconsin and he stopped at Notre Dame. Ronan and his family continues to really like Notre Dame a ton. They are a very thoughtful family. He's a very thoughtful young man, so he is doing his due diligence. He's taking his visits. I think Notre Dame likes Ronan Hannafin. I I would say, though, that right now, again, they are just trying to let things shape out a little bit, and they have some of their top prospects who they want to get in the class. And I think that Ronan Hannafin would be a 
really good fit into the class because I think that he would fit, could play wide receiver, like Brian said, could play safety or a rover. I think his best fit is probably a rover, but we might actually have to have a show one time where we kind of break down the film and say, like, what position is Ronan Hannafin best at? Because it could be a couple of different spots. So the latest is Ronan Hannafin took a visit pretty recently. He continues to really like Notre Dame. We'll see how the board kind of shapes out. But I think that there is mutual interest on both sides. I just think that Notre Dame is going to kind of be a little, uh, it's not a slow play, but I would say that they're just kind of letting the board figure itself out a little bit and seeing how Ronan fits onto that board. Here's here's an interesting question for you, Ryan. It's not in the start category. I'm just going to pull it up blind. Okay. And I'm going to have you respond to it immediately. As soon as I'm done answering the question, you've got to, reading the question, you've got to answer it. Okay. From P Dub, is Harrison Smith a Hall of Famer to you? So here's the here's the problem. Safeties wait a long time to go in the Hall of Fame. Like it's just mm-hmm. a natural thing. Like it just there's it, there's been a backlog at safety for a long time, and I mean there's some guys that are still not in the Hall of Fame that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Honestly, at the safety position. So is Harrison Smith good enough to be a Hall of Famer? In a vacuum, yes. I think that he probably will eventually, but I think he's going to wait as it currently stands a long time to get in the Hall of Fame. That's just kind of my view on it. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, based on what he's done in the NFL, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Whether or not he'll get there, I mean, Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer, and he's never going to be there, at least probably not in my lifetime. So, uh, But it doesn't mean he wasn't didn't have a Hall of Fame career, and I think Harrison Smith, to me, has had a – because I think I think the Hall of Fame to me, you, you got to do one of three things, one of two combinations. One is you've got to be very good for a very long time, or you've got to be special for a sh- for a burst. You know, so like in the the short period of time has to be about an injury. So like Chris Johnson being great for two years and then just you know it just he's not a Hall of Famer. He just had a couple of really good years. Terrell Davis being what he was and Gail Sayers being what they were and they were on the verge of special and then injuries cut their career short. I'm okay with both of them being Hall of Famers, even though I prefer Tony Tony Baselli into that conversation. Tony Baselli would be a guy like that. Yeah. But like, cause they like Baselli's interesting one because he had, even in some of his great years, he had some, some injury issues where Terrell never had an injury problem until the knee. You know, I mean, he was and he was special. He was the best player in, in football for two years and then the NFL for two years. And, and 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 the other thing, too, is he set the record for most consecutive 100 yard rushing games in the postseason with eight, which is really impressive. Uh, so Harrison Smith, to me, falls into the first category, the former, which is really good for a long time. I don't you know, and there were there were several years where he was considered the best in the game at his position. Even now that he's not necessarily considered by everyone the best at his position, everyone still agrees he's one of the best. And I don't know if there's ever been a year just from, you know, reading people that observe the game. Has there ever been a year in his career that he wasn't considered one of the best in the game by by most experts? I think that carries some weight, but I, I do think he you, you could make the argument he – needs to maybe be really good for at least another year or two, you know, before you can really say, you know, for sure. Cause he's been in the NFL now. What? I mean, this will be what? 10 years coming up. Has to be. Has so to be. He, 2012, 2000. No, he just finished his 11th actually. Cause 2012 would have been his first year. So it'd be 11 years. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's long enough. A, a whole decade of, being the best or one of the best safeties in the game. 
in an era where there was also some pretty good, especially under his career, there's some pretty good safety still in the NFL early in his career that he was competing against. So that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. But I, I think practically speaking, Ryan, your point stands. That it, I mean, it, it took Steve Atwater how long to get to the NFL? Way too long. Uh, Hall of Fame, you know? I mean, yeah. and you're saying that it makes sense that I would say that. I'm a Bronco fan. I'm biased, right? But mm-hmm. I'm not alone. That's yeah. that's the uh, the thing. There's a lot of people feel that. Caleb Boyles, do you guys uh, see jo- Joe Wilkins, given his recovery, getting a decent amount of snaps this season with how the room is now? I feel like he has shown some flashes but seriously lacks coaching. He's gonna have a shot. I mean, he's definitely gonna have a shot. I think. I mean, I'll be surprised if he doesn't play. Will he get targeted a ton? I don't. I don't know. But I do think Ryan to the question. I do think there's a lot of merit to that last part. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if Joe. See, the thing about Joe is Joe's a good athlete. He's not a yeah. great athlete, and a and a guy that's just a good athlete has to be a technician to to really shine. And Joe's not a technician. So to me, good coaching is going to help. But the other thing is. Joe's got to catch the ball better. Joe's had some big game, some big chances in his career. Now he made the great catch against Florida State for a touchdown. That was huge. But he's also dropped some opportunities for scores in his career. And so to me, he's got to catch the ball more consistently. But I think he's one of those guys that that could benefit a ton from Chancey Stuckey if Chancey Stuckey is who we think he is going to be as the receivers coach. I mean, and it's huge for him to get the opportunity to compete in spring, right? Like we talked mm-hmm. about that when I was on Vince last time, it's like, and a similar question came up and my answer to it stays the same. He has a better opportunity now than he would have, if he would have missed spring because you're working at, and somebody just put in like, Hey, Deion Coles, he could pass him up. Right. And it's very possible. And there, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple of young receivers that could potentially quote unquote pass him up, but obviously mm-hmm. the opportunity to play in the spring. Cause like, here's the, here's the facts in my opinion, right? Avery Davis doesn't play in the spring. It doesn't matter because he's a consistent mm-hmm. guy and you know what he is. It's proven. Day in and day out. Right. Exactly. Joe Wilkins, you've seen flashes, but it hasn't been a consistent flash. Yeah. So the ability for him to play in the spring is absolutely huge for his opportunities to play football this year. So, yes, Caleb, I think he has a chance. Would I bet on it? I'm not so sure about that, but I do say that he has a much better chance that he would have if he didn't was not able to compete in the spring. I think it's huge for him. I mean, Joe Wilkins has 11 career catches. I mean, Avery Davis has – way more than that i mean so again avery can miss and come back plus avery has kind of coached himself into being a pretty sound football player joe has to go prove that he can be that guy i i think that i'll be shocked if he's not playing this fall i'll be shocked if he's not in the rotation i think the question is is he just a rotation guy or does is he kind of the guy at a position and and i think the boundary is probably where he has his best chance cuz he's not beating out like brain lindsay and lorenzo styles and Avery davis for regular time the the issue with that is i don't know if the boundary is necessarily his best position like i think his best position is to the field but i don't think he's going to get on the field as much to the to that i mean no pun intended to the field because of again the presence of the three guys we just mentioned Plus, you're going to get Tobias Merriweather, who projects as a field guy as well. And Jaden Thomas can play there, too. So I think his best chance is going to be to be in like a regular rotation is to be the boundary guy. Now, I think Deion Colsey is going to try to have something to say about that this, this spring. But the big thing for me is the technical part is all – that's all great. But, man, I tell you, Ryan, Joe's got to catch the ball better. Like, you can live with – like, you'll, you'll give Braden Lindsay kind of – mulligans on throws because he can he's like i can't i can't put that speed on the 
bench. I just can't. You know what I mean? Joe, Joe's got to step up and make some more plays, in my opinion. That's going to be a big thing for him this spring as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ian Johnson, we got two more, it looks like. Ian Johnson, which cube quarterback's potential commitment will impact our recruitment of Dante Moore the most? I, I, I don't think that there is any that impacts it. I, I think that I think Dante is 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 firmly staying within himself, right? Like he's not a domino. He is he is doing his due diligence and he will pick where he wants to pick. I don't think he's waiting for any quarterbacks to make a commitment and then decide that is the time to do it. Right. Like, I, I just think that I, I don't think that that has any external impact on Dante more personally. Yeah. I, I think it would only impact it is if, if he was leaning towards another school and that school got a quarterback, I, I, I think Notre Dame's the favorite here. And so I don't think that anyone, I, I think this, you know, Michigan, Michigan state, Miami, I mean, Michigan State already got a quarterback, but he's not someone that's going to threaten Dante Moore. They wanted to take two. I mean, Miami, but I don't see Miami getting one of the studs right now. So I don't think that they're – and I don't even know if Michigan's recruiting another quarterback right now. I mean, I haven't heard their name, which is going to end up biting them in the butt, I think, too. So we'll kind of see how that how that plays out. Brandon Plesner, actually, any updates from Malik Hartford's visit? Wouldn't mind having him as a third safety in his class if we can't get downs. Uh, other than saying, I just, Brandon, I don't see that happening. I just, I've got, I've, had, I've gotten zero buzz, zero intel from anyone associated with this co- co- recruitment on either side that has, in, that is in all thinking that there's any chance that he comes another name. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't see that one at all. Mm-hmm. Joseph says, how confident are you? the wide receivers are now going to be properly coached in every aspect of their game. I'm pretty confident. Now, will it be good coaching or elite coaching? I think that's more the question for me, Ryan, than will they, will they be properly coached? After watching the the Baylor game, the Baylor last year and hearing your comments about what Baylor was in 2020 Mm -hmm. compared to what it was in 2021. I mean, I'll be, I'll be shocked if they're not a well-coached unit next season. Yeah, I mean, you see the jump that they made from 2020 to 2021. And I, although 2020 was an abbreviated season, so it's not the perfect sample size. But either way, I mean, you you mentioned the stat line for uh, for Tyquan Thornton, remember, Brian, from the 2020 mm-hmm. season? And was it like 13 catches for like 120 something? It was like some pedestrian mm-hmm. numbers like that for a kid that just re- went to the combine and ran 428 at six foot two, right? Like he's obviously a very talented player. And I don't think it's a coincidence that he broke out finally 
when Chancey Stuckey took over. I, I think that there is a, I think there's right. a lot of validity to that, to that conversation. I think that's a lot of validity to why that breakout happened. So yes, I am confident that the receiver receiver development will be a lot better to what degree, like Brian said, we'll wait and see, but I don't think there's any question in my mind that it will be better. Absolutely. Cause the thing is being a lot better doesn't make them elite. I mean, being a lot better gets them where they're supposed to be. And I think we'll at least get to that point. In my opinion, I just don't know if it's going to be like you watch no names receivers play and you're like, I feel like I'm watching Bama with how well coached they are. Um, that I don't, that I don't know if we'll get to. And I, just because, like you said, Ryan, there's just such an unknown of Coach Stuckey. He's only done it really for one year, but everything we've heard. I mean, even quarter when when other position groups are kind of talking a lot about you and the and the you know you you heard Drew Pine talk a lot about this on Saturday. He's like, man, the receivers love Coach Stuckey, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, because they, so I've said, great competitors want to be pushed. And I don't know about other sports. I can only speak to football because I played and coached football in college. I didn't, I didn't play and coach baseball or basketball or anything like that in college. Every great competitor I've known, and great competitors exist at all levels of football. You know, your talent may not be great, but your great competitors – in football, want to be coached. They want to be pushed. They don't like, you know, again, we're talking about great competitors, not necessarily great talent. Great competitors want to be pushed. They want to be challenged. They want to be told it's not good enough. You're capable. Because when a coach says it's not good enough, as long as he knows how to say it correctly, it's what you're saying is you're capable of more. You can be better. And great competitors want that. And you want if you say why? Why do all these linemen love Harry Heastan when he, he just yells at them all the time? Because they don't view it as just yelling. They're not soft, right? They don't use yelling, and he doesn't demean. Yelling doesn't equal demeaning unless you're, you know, yelling at your wife, and then my, my wife's always going to take it that way. But when you're talking to great competitors on the football field, they want to know that hey, why is why is he yelling at me? Because he thinks you can do better. He thinks you can be better. He thinks you have more in you. And they love that because they know that when they leave playing for Harry Heastan, they know they're going to be the best version of themselves. And and that's that's the key. Is so I think the receivers are loving it, Ryan, because they they they've wanted this, they've been thirsty for this for years, and now they're getting it. It's like they're getting fed. Like you know, you've let's just say like if you think like from a food standpoint, like you've seen this, you know, you you just get kind of served like you know slop all the time, and you just. You just want something better, and then all of a sudden, I take you to this really nice Italian restaurant. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, everything I thought of being." You just want more of it, more of it, more of it. And you know that's kind of the analogy I'd use for this: is these kids have been hungry for this. They've been being fed slop for the last five years, and now they're they're being fed something good, and they want more and more and more of it, and they're loving that they're getting it. And I think that's only going to continue, and that makes them even more coachable. It's like they thirst for it. They're going to come to you more because they want it. They see what it's doing to their game, and it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. And then this uh, last two, Patrick Bird, what would uh, the chance be at some point this year that Jaden Thomas, Lorenzo Styles, and Deion Colsey are the starting wide receivers? Ryan, I'd have to say an injury would have to happen for that to be the case. Yeah, mainly I, to Avery Davis. Avery Davis yeah. have to get hurt again, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to say I could buy two out of three, right? Like Styles, Colsey, I could see those ones. Thomas, I think, has a lot of competition. So I agree. There would have to be something unfortunate that happens because I think that there is some veteran presence that is coming back with a guy like an Avery Davis, for instance, where 
I, I mean, you would just in theory like to think that he is able to kind of, you know, earn that starting spot because he's just kind of had that that he's had that experience in that sense too. So I'm buying two out of three, Patrick. I, I just I don't think it's very likely that Thomas is a starter, quote unquote, play playing right. time, sure, yes. but starting now, I don't think so. Agree. And the, you know, Davis, Lindsay would also be guys that he'd have to pass up in my opinion, or would get hurt. Mike Les with the super chat. Why did the Notre Dame drop the psych woman? That would be Dr. Amber Selking. Uh, many players found her helpful. Um, FS sounded like BK with his word salad answer when asked about it. Do you have any insight on this? I don't know who FS is unless he meant, I don't know who that is. Uh, do you have any insight on this? I'm, I wanted to just bring this up because I wanted to thank you for the super chat. I don't have a lot of insight on it, although I just kind of felt like I had this conversation last night with a parent of a player who uh, was concerned about this. And, and I said, well, what exactly did she do? And that wasn't an insult. It was just kind of like a, a question. And he starts naming all the things that she was involved in. And I said, that's what a coach is supposed to do. And I just kind of felt like I am all for uh, the need to have, you know, mental health and all those type of things. Uh, but, you know, for me, I kind of feel like I, I don't know if I necessarily would want someone in that role, male or female, to be as prominent as she was to where almost as like it was just another person to kind of do the head coach's parts of the head coach's job for him. That's what a coach is supposed to be. And I don't have any insight on it, but I, I know that Coach Freeman, oh, he said FS is MF. It's supposed to be MF, Marcus Freeman. I don't I don't know if if I, I think that in a lot of ways Coach Freeman is trying to kind of create his the program and his image. And I think with some of the stuff that the, the, the coaches need to be able to do some of this stuff. Right. Like the coaches need to be able to kind of handle this because the coaches are the ones that are with these kids every single day. So I think that there needs to be an element to where these kids know there's somebody to go to, somebody to talk to that's not a coach. I think that's important to have. But I think the specific role that Dr. Selking had, I've 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 never felt was necessarily like that person has to have that much of an on-field presence role. Like somebody said to me like, "Well, she was responsible for, you know, helping them get ready for big games." And I'm like, "Isn't that what the coaches get paid for?" You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like the, the football part of what she did wasn't, in my opinion, necessary because the coaches should be doing that. What I want to make sure that the players have is that someone can kind of help them with life, with their mental health, with their struggles, with if a kid's coming back from an injury, you got to really keep an eye on him because that's when a lot of kids, as they're going through an injury, can find that dark place, Ryan. And you've seen it a lot. I mean, we've I know you've heard a million stories about kids that have battled depression or young men or even professionals that battle depression or end up getting hooked on a, on a, on a, a, a drug or things like that. And a lot of times it'll happen during that time when I was injured and I was coming back and, and I wasn't with my teammates and I was out of my routine and I was having all these issues. And then you know, I start taking this painkiller and, and I went through this in my personal life. You know, I was taking a painkiller as a sophomore in college for my shoulder. Well, once the season was over with, and once, that was all done. It's like my body still said, but you need that. You need that. And so I started like taking a leave, like they were Skittles. I mean, I just, I was always looking because I wanted that pain to be gone and you go to a really dark place. Now I was fortunate that I had an incident that kind of 
made me realize the path I was going down before I got there. But a lot of people aren't. And so I think that's where the, the mental health thing is so important. I just don't think it has to look like the way it looked with Dr. Selking. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying it's not important. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't think it has to be that specific role in 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 that area. So I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that to no, me is, is where I'm coming from. I mean, I, I think you're saying that there's a different way to support it, right? Yes, you're just, you're 100%. Just not necess- you're just not necessarily 100% that that's the way to properly do Correct. That. Correct. Yeah. I almost feel like it's good to have someone that's not involved with the team as much as someone that's especially that close with the head coach. Cause like, Hey, if she's this close to Brian Kelly, mm-hmm. you know, well, can I, can I, you know, there may be some kids who maybe aren't open to that. And it's just hypothetically, you know, yeah. I, I want someone that's like removed from the program a little bit, but also someone who can speak to what I'm going through. And yeah. so I, there have to be people there for kids that aren't just coaches and teammates it has to be. Because coaches yeah. and teammates aren't always going to have all the answers. It just, I just feel like it. it it's not a one size fits all thing. It ha- there has to be there that there. I think, and we've talked about in the show before, mental health things like that, depression. Mm-hmm. You know, kids who are battling you know addictions to painkillers because of football, because of injuries of football. There has to be a place for that. There has to be a, a, a people that are have their eyes tuned into those things to make sure that you're getting to deal with it before it becomes a big, big problem. And, you know, you talk about like with Harry Miller and what he talked about, right. And how, when he went to Ryan day, what Ryan day's immediate reaction was, was like, okay, that's what a coach is supposed to be doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, you need to make sure that there's people like that. So um, I just, that's just kind of, that's just kind of my thing is I just, I think it's an important role but I don't think like that she's the only person can fill that role. And I, and I, I just was never super comfortable with how much was kind of put on her that I feel really needs to be on the shoulders of the head coach and the coaches. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. So I'm not saying it's um, I'm not saying, yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it's an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no question about it. Did get one more super chat before we go, Ryan. Ryan, did you have anything? I mean, it's kind of to me that's an important topic. Yeah. Um, so if there's anything you want to add to that, please feel. Even if it's disagreeing with me, please feel free. No, I, I think you bring up an interesting conversation, or at least thought of like an outside presence, because I think that one thing that happens sometimes when someone is there too much, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not. You know, everyone's different. But if someone's there, there is a bias that happens, right? And sometimes when you're an out, when you're not an outside perspective, it kind of alters the way you see people a little bit, right? And I think there's sometimes when you kind of miss some signs, when you don't have a biased opinion of a person, you just kind of come in and you can just talk to them as a, you know, just as kind of like a, a little bit of a stranger. I feel like there's some things that you can kind of catch up on quicker that maybe you'll be able to see signs a little quicker. So I think there is some merit to the outside help perspective right it has sense. to be there and it has to they have to know who it is mm-hmm. that's the thing is i think that's a, especially with with competitors especially with men especially men that play in a game that is it's a tough game and you're expected to be a certain way and act a certain way and conduct yourself a certain way that it can it can be challenging to say hey i need help i'm struggling like you know it's like people that tweet at players it's like Oh, why weren't you focused this game? You have no idea what was going on with that. Sometimes it's just kids immature. Sometimes you have no idea. Like he just found out the day before a game that his his mom was diagnosed with breast cancer or a girlfriend broke up with him or mom lost a job. Dad lost a job. There's, 
I had three exams this week and I'm bordering on academic eligible. And uh, there's so many things going on with these young men that I do believe that like, like there's some people say like, you know, the mental health, it's like, Oh, it's just soft. And, and, and I think in some ways our culture has become really soft, but I, I don't think everything that is meant to be helpful is something that's soft. I think sometimes it's like, no, this is a good thing. You can be a man, you can be tough, you can be physical and be all these kind of things and still need somebody to talk to and, and, and need a place to go. And so it's good to have that. But it's also important to make sure that they that players know before they have to ask, this is where you go. This is the step. Hey, fellas, if you're struggling, this is where you go. Even if it's coming to me as your head coach, my door's always open. And if I can't help you, we're going to find out who it is that can. We're going to direct you. They have to know that it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to struggle. Uh, but again, I just kind of back to the original question. I don't think it has to be that role that Dr. Selking had. And I have nothing but respect for the job she did and everything I've ever, I've never heard a bad thing about her. It's not personal. It's just, I didn't necessarily love the role she had in my opinion. And I felt it just needed to be different. And we'll find out what coach Freeman's role uh, vision of that is going to be. Cause there does need to be something to that. And I'd be surprised if a 36 year old that's kind of been through what he's been through doesn't understand the value of that. He just may not – he may be like me, and he just doesn't see it – like, I value this role, but I think the role should be here, not here beside me in the middle of a game, right? Because <laughs> I don't need you in the second quarter, right? I mean, go stand off to the side. You aren't making calls. You know what I mean? Um, I don't need that right now. And that was kind of uh, – that was kind of my – that was kind of my thing with it, to be honest with you. All right. And then uh, we had one super chat I wanted to get to uh, before we get out of here, Ryan, from Rage and Cajun. And we appreciate the super chats, guys, very much. We haven't gotten a lot of those lately. Uh, so when they do come, we appreciate it. We'll end with this. This is also in the mailbag today. So I would encourage you to, to read Ryan's answers there as well. But Rage and Cajun asks, could you guys comment on cornerback recruiting? Everyone is saying Notre Dame is cooled on Malik Muhammad. Uh, Brian uh, said Christian was more the same. I, I never said Notre Dame was cooled on Christian Gray. I don't feel that Christian Gray is as is the, is the Notre Dame lean that he once was. I feel that LSU and Ohio State have made a very strong push for him. I have said I'm not as confident that Notre Dame is going to land him as I think some at Notre Dame are, that they're going to mm-hmm. land him. And I hope that I'm wrong on that, but that's just been kind of my read on how things have been trending here in recent weeks, Ryan. What say you? Yeah, yeah. So obviously Justin Red out of Bishop Gorman out in Las Vegas is already in the class. Christian Gray is right at the top of the board for Notre Dame, um, who is a very talented player. I think he kind of just checks every box, right? Like he's just good across the board. They also have high interest in Micah Tease out of Oklahoma, out of Booker T. Washington. I've been firm on this one. I do think that Notre Dame would be in his top two, but I do think he's going to be a very tough guy to get away from Oklahoma. Like that's just my feel talking to Micah. Like that's just my pulse on that one. And then they also have high interest in Braxton Myers, who's out of Texas, who's a longer corner, right around six foot two. Some programs are recruiting at safety. Some recruiting out of a corner. I, I mean, I've talked to Braxton a couple of times. I don't get a great feeling about that one. Not as super interested in Notre Dame right now. Yeah. No, not interested in Notre Dame just from everything I've talked about. Like, like interested, but like not right to the point. Like some kids, Ryan, they get offered and like, yeah, I'm making it. I'm tri- I'm going to Notre Dame soon. I'm trying to figure right. out. Right. He's like, yeah, I may get up there at some point in time. It just, yeah. Exactly. And they also did also uh, last week offered Micah Bell, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, who's a 2023 corner from Texas. So 
They did expand the board a little bit. I won't be shocked if by if we haven't seen movement by the end of April mm-hmm. on something. I th- I could see like a rash a rash of offers go out because if they don't get Christian Gray, I I don't I, I mean I you know it's funny I think Micah Tease might actually like Notre Dame the most right now, but I, I just I think at the end of the day it's just going to be a little too hard to get him out of especially now that Oklahoma has a defensive head coach. Mm-hmm. Like if Lincoln Riley was at Oklahoma, I'd feel really good about getting Micah Tease. Yeah, like, dude, do you really want to go there and plan a defense that's garbage? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, uh, but with Brent Venables there, things are going to be a little bit different, in my opinion. But, but yeah, I, I no, again, I could be completely wrong on Christian Gray, but I just I see all the signs, Ryan, of a kid that once loved Notre Dame, but then once the big boys of cornerback development got involved, his his you know his interest kind of waned a little bit. Yeah, you just don't hear much from him anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's just kind of. I mean, it could just be his personality where he's just kind of off the grid a little bit, which yeah. maybe has some validity to it. But I agree. I, I think that Micah really does like Notre Dame. But again, I just I think it's going to be very tough to get him out of the Sooner State. I'll say this. If Micah if Micah Tease was from Missouri or Illinois or I'll even Texas, yeah. I'd feel really good about Notre Dame getting him. Like really good. Yeah. But, you know, like there's a lot of pressure in there. And I think that's going to be one of those several litmus tests of just how good the staff can be recruiting. Mm-hmm. That that's a tougher one because again, there's only like, I mean, it's like, it's not a whole, there's a lot of pressure to stay in state if they want you. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one, but he's a kid that I think likes the name a lot. And I'm really curious to see him. Get, I, w- I want to see when he gets back up to campus. That's going to be nothing for me with Micah Tease is he's one of those ones that if he can make it up to campus this spring, and, and I don't know, I don't know right now, we don't have him on our visit list for the spring yet. So I'm hoping that that happens. I've, I, I felt like, I feel like if he doesn't, if he doesn't get on campus this spring for an, for an unofficial visit, I'm going to feel like they're, 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 they're basically going to be out of it. That, that, Cause I've felt like guys that this has kind of always been my take guys that don't visit on their own dime are guys that I'm, I'm just rarely end up another name, you know, and, and that's kind of the thing for me. And I don't believe that Micah, T- Micah T- um, tease has been to Notre Dame before. I don't believe he has. I don't believe so either. So if he doesn't, if he doesn't come on campus and I mean, cause Oklahoma's not that far. Like it's a, it's a trip, but it's not like, I mean, you got kids coming from Florida and California and Texas and further away than, than Oklahoma. I feel like if he can't, if he doesn't make it, I, I won't feel great about it. Now I won't say it's completely out. Cause you never, I don't, you never know a person's personal family background because these trips are on their dime. You know, and I don't know enough about his family situation to to to, to say for sure, but it's not mm-hmm. usually a very good sign when a kid's first visit to Notre Dame is an official. The right. success rate on getting those guys is usually has usually um, not high. So again, I he like we've Brandon just said he's been to Notre Dame before. I, I don't know when. I I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong, Brandon. Brandon follows recruiting a ton. He didn't sound like a guy that had been there when we talked to him, right? I mean, and so, but. Um, and I just checked all the sites and I don't see anything on there as far as him having visited in the past. Like, you know, there's a bunch of like, I'm looking at his two, four, seven profile and it's, you know, unofficially visits Alabama, um, unofficially visits Arkansas, unofficially visits this place and that place. I don't see anything on there other than he just got offered by Notre Dame. So, you know, Brandon, you could be right, but I just don't, I don't know it. And obviously Ryan didn't start covering recruiting till January and we pretty much didn't cover recruiting before that so you could be correct but i mean from our conversations with him ryan he talked like a kid that had never been here before 
that's I mean, is that a fair assessment of your conversation with him? Yeah, I was I was just going back to look at my notes and I was almost positive that he hadn't. Yeah, I'm I'm reading uh I'm reading your article on him from February and he's he's talking about you know they've been in contact, good conversations. Um mm-hmm. you know, he talks about what he's looking for in a school, that kind of thing. Um Yeah. And he says Notre Dame would be he doesn't oh, have I'm a top I'm, list, I'm but he said Notre Dame would be in I'm, it. I'm compl- I'm completely wrong. And that in that thing it says that he has visited three times. To I, Notre Dame? Yep, has vis- has already visited South Bend three times in the past, making the trip from Oklahoma. Okay, that changes things big time for that me. That changes things a lot. Of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah. about Brandon. Thank you so much yeah. for popping that in, man. Thank yeah. you so much. I completely forgot about that little note. Yeah, I had, n- I had never heard of him on campus before. And he's been three times? Yep. Yeah, that surprises me. I'm reading the article right now, and I'm trying to see where it would be. But, yeah, that be that changes things a little bit. That changes things a little bit. I'm still not feeling like they're going to get him. But it it put it changes my stance on if he doesn't visit this spring, then they're not gonna have a shot. It changes that. Now I can understand him saying I'm gonna wait to an official visit because there's probably some other schools he hasn't been to three times. So that's interesting. That's very very interesting. All right, good job, Brandon. Well done. That's why I said like I was like um you know Brandon kind of follows this kind of closely, so uh, he's pretty adamant about it. So that's why we checked Brandon because we love you, man. So, that, but yeah, corner recruiting, corner recruiting for me, Ryan, is probably my biggest question mark in this class. Because, I mean, obviously, Justin Rett's a great start, and I really like the last two classes, but I feel like I don't know who that number two guy is going to be. I, I really don't. I couldn't, I, 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 unless I'm completely wrong on Christian Gray and the staff is completely right, mm-hmm. um, which, I mean, I would hope that they would know better than I would. <laughs> There's a problem if I have a better read on it than they do. Uh, yeah. I just don't feel I don't feel great about that one. So that's the – I mean, safety, it's just about keep who you have. D-line, I feel good about it. Linebacker, I feel good about it. Uh, O-line, I feel comfortable. I, you know, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. I feel good about where Notre Dame is. That's the one position that – who's that complement to Justin Reck going to be? That's a big concern. Do you have a bigger concern right now on on, on the recruiting class yeah. at corner? No, I was just working through it in my head. And I mean, honestly, I feel like it really does seem like all sunshine and rainbows for the most part, right? Because yeah. it's like they're in just such a good spot. They're such a right. good spot in so many other positions. But I mean, cornerback is definitely the one where you're just kind of like, what's next? You don't really right. know what, what the substantial upside is even. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just, it's tough to predict right now. No question. That is going to be it, everybody. Before you leave, hit the like button, hit subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and share. And hey, listen. So last week I talked about uh, a Built Bar product that they sent me as a sample that I was super, super excited about. And I said I couldn't, I didn't know if I could talk about it yet. Well, we got an email this weekend saying we can talk about it now. So they are coming out. I think it's going to be out tomorrow. It's a brownie batter puff bar i am so excited about it i will be ordering at least two boxes of it i might have to go three because i work through those banana puffs real real quickly but so they sent me an ambassador pack and it's kind of like you know the people that they have relationships with they'll send us some some of the the stuff that they're going to release or some of the things they're going to promote soon and i got that brownie batter one and my wife was like i want to try that i was like (laughs) nope That's getting tried by one person, and that's the person whose name was on the box. So she made up for she uh, she got me back though by eating the shamrock. But uh, the brownie batter was phenomenal. It's it's definitely it's in my new top five. 
The problem is, Ryan, I just can't think of which one I'm dropping out of my top five. But the good news for y'all is you can try it. And you, if you go to built.com, if you go to Built Bar website, or here's an easy thing, just click on the link below that we have for Built Bar. It'll pull it up. You'll get 10% off your entire purchase if you include the Irish Breakdown uh, code. You'll get that in there. So you'll definitely want to take advantage of that. They are tremendous. I absolutely love them. Ryan likes them too, but uh, I got to try to convince him to buy some more here coming up here pretty soon. But uh, the brownie batter is the way to go. My fa- the fa- my favorite milkshake that I ever had in my entire life, Ryan, was when my wife and I lived in Denver. One of the places we lived, there was a cheeseburger, cheeseburger like restaurant right there, and they had good burgers. Like you'd think a place with that name would have better burgers. They were okay, but they had a brownie batter milkshake that was like the best thing I've like I've ever put in my mouth from a milkshake standpoint. And so when I saw that, I was like, this is either going to be really good or really bad, you know, the built bar thing. And it was really good. So I thoroughly enjoyed that. But, and of course, make sure you've signed up for the message boards. We have a ton going on, lots of Intel. Definitely want to check that out. Sign up for our newsletter. I send that out. I kind of, I'm back to sending that out every morning. We went a while where that just wasn't happening, uh, but we're, we're back to doing that now. And of course we'll be back tomorrow at 12.30 to talk more about the Notre Dame spring uh, kind of previews as we kind of get ready for it. And then, of course, this weekend we'll have Pro Day on Friday, so Ryan and I will report on that. Uh, Notre Dame is going to have an open practice on Saturday that Ryan will be at. Ryan and Sean will both be at, so that'll be fun too. So uh, lots going on. Stay locked in irishbreakdown.com. Thank you all so much for joining Ryan and myself for today's Irish Breakdown podcast. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. 
Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.